Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Don Ma in for Stephanie. Here are today's top stories. $1.7 trillion to fund the government for next year. The Senate approved it today, getting enough votes to push it through with most Republicans opposed. Arizona's makeshift border wall made from shipping containers. The state has now reportedly agreed to take it down again after getting sued by the federal government. The second day of a two-day trial in the lawsuit filed by gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake focused on malfunctioning tabulators and whether they caused Republican voters to stay home. What evidence does she have to prove her case? A dangerous Arctic blast could bring record low temperatures to the U.S. this Christmas. Cities as far south as Orlando, Florida might go below freezing. And the State Department gives what may be its final briefing in 2022. Secretary Blinken covers the department's diplomatic achievements over the past year. The Senate today passed that $1.7 trillion bill we've been hearing about all week. There are increases for both defense spending and non-defense spending, plus some money dedicated to the DOJ for prosecutions related to the January 6th Capitol breach. NTD's Melina Weiskup reports. A win for Democrats today on Capitol Hill as they've secured funding levels for 2023 just before Republicans take control of the lower chamber just two weeks from now. Summer lunches for kids now every summer. Increase in Pell Grants. So we've concluded this Congress, one of the most productive in decades, with one of the best omnibus packages in decades. It passed the Senate this afternoon on a vote of 68 to 29. Many Republicans railing against it, some even railing against their own party leadership for cutting a deal in the final hours of the 117th Congress. Some Republicans are trying to call it a big win. I'm sorry, I have a hard time calling that a big win. When you unite all 50 Democrats, and sharply divide Republicans, getting, I don't know, probably 10 to 20 votes to support this. I don't understand how that's a big win for Republicans. Senator Ted Cruz writing in a statement, quote, it is the height of recklessness for Senate Republican leadership to cut a deal with House Democrats who were just voted out of power to give away the leverage that the incoming Republican majority in the House of Representatives could have used to force the Biden administration to change course. The 4,000 page bill released just two days ago includes $858 billion in defense spending, a nearly 10% increase and an 8% increase for non-defense, $787 billion for programs like housing assistance, child care, energy assistance for low-income households, and more. It actually includes measures directly related to the January 6th attack. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi praised these efforts in her last press conference as Speaker, calling them efforts to defend democracy. She first used this language in reference to the billions of dollars in extra aid toward Ukraine, but also in reference to the measures uh, relating to January 6th. So included in this government funding bill is the Electoral Count Act reform, which is uh, meant to make it more difficult difficult to overturn presidential election results in a variety of ways, one of those ways being to uh, raise the threshold for objections to state electors from just one House member and one senator to one-fifth of each chamber. It also provides extra funds for the Department of Justice to further investigate the January 6th Capitol breach. Specifically, it gives around $200 million to U.S. attorneys to further pursue those prosecutions. 
Gardens. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. Arizona's governor reportedly agreed to take down the state's makeshift border wall made of shipping containers. Federal authorities previously sued the state for putting up the temporary blockade. Federal authorities had sued the state of Arizona and Governor Doug Ducey for putting it up, saying the state trespassed on federal land. They also cited environmental reasons. According to court documents filed today with the U.S. District Court in Phoenix, Ducey has reached an agreement with the Justice Department to stop construction of the wall and remove all previously installed containers. Ducey said the containers were only meant as a temporary measure until the federal government fills in the gaps. And today, on day two of the Kerry Lake versus Katie Hobbs trial, Lake's team brought in a polling expert who said that Republicans didn't vote on Election Day because they were disenfranchised and that the number was significant enough to change the outcome of the race. But there was one important point he couldn't prove. NTD's Arlene Richards has more. Plaintiff, do you have a witness that you'd like to call? Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake's lawsuit against her Democratic opponent Katie Hobbs entered its second and final day of trial on Thursday. The suit also names Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richard, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, and others as defendants. The two-day trial, live-streamed by Fox 10 Phoenix, started on Wednesday. It challenged the November 8 election and seeks to schedule a new vote. On day one of the trial, an information security officer testified he observed both duplicate and spoiled ballots that had 19-inch images printed on 20-inch paper. He testified that could be caused either by changing the printer adjustments or a change to the operating system, both of which he said couldn't be accidental. Witnesses from Maricopa County said they weren't aware of any changes and that the equipment failures didn't disrupt the election. Lake's team started day two with testimony from polling expert Richard Barris of Big Data Poll. Uh, a little over 1,300 people we spoke to statewide in Arizona, and about 813 of them were residents and voters in Maricopa County. Barris participated in conducting an exit poll of voters who voted in Maricopa County and throughout the state on Election Day. He testified that a significant number of Republicans in Maricopa County didn't vote on Election Day due to polling problems and he believes it impacted votes for Lake. So the election day margin for uh, Miss Lake was huge in the areas where we saw these depressions. He said one more batch of tabulated ballots in Maricopa County could have changed the outcome of the race. But Hobbs' attorney questioned the accuracy of his testimony. But your analysis can't tell us how many voters encountered an issue with a tabulator. And it can't tell us how many voters of a specific party encountered an issue with a tabulator, correct? Using a number of hypotheticals, she said Barris didn't have evidence that 2.5 percent more voters would have voted in the election or would have voted for Lake, or that the widespread issues that occurred were caused by tabulators. Other witnesses testifying on day two were Maricopa County Elections Director Reynaldo Valenzuela and the co-director Scott Jarrett. Closing arguments were expected to occur later in the day. The judge plans to rule on the case by December 27. Arlene Richards, NTD News. Thousands of flights are being canceled or delayed, and temperatures are tumbling to record lows. That's as a life-threatening Arctic blast is now gripping much of the country. A massive winter storm is expected to bring blizzard conditions to the Great Lakes region. 
up to two inches of rain followed by a flash freeze on the east coast and wind gusts of 60 miles per hour and bitter cold as far south as the Mexican border. Power outages are likely and the storm is expected to make travel by land or air dangerous or impossible at times. More than half of the lower 48 states from Washington state to Florida are under winter weather alerts. These include wind chill advisories affecting about 135 million people. Parts of the mid-Atlantic and plains could see Christmas Day weather that is near the coldest on record. Philadelphia could see temperatures fall to 15 degrees on Sunday. That would be near a previous low reached during the Second World War. And even parts of Florida, from Pensacola through Orlando to Daytona Beach, could experience sub-freezing temperatures. Georgia on Wednesday joined North Carolina and Kentucky in declaring states of emergency. Temperatures in North Georgia were forecast to hit 10 degrees with sub-zero wind chills. Airlines have canceled more than 3,000 U.S. flights scheduled for Thursday and Friday because of the weather, disrupting holiday travel for thousands. The extreme weather coincided with the start of a holiday travel season that could be one of the busiest ever. Last year's holiday period was overshadowed by an outbreak of COVID-19 among staff that forced airlines to cancel thousands of flights. But not this year. In the seven days ending Wednesday, the Transportation Security Administration said it screened almost the same number of passengers as it did in the same period in 2019. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News. And President Biden delivers a Christmas address. NTD's Iris Tao has more from the White House. Yes, it's a story that's 2,000 years old, but it's still very much alive today. As year 2022 comes to an end, President Biden gives a Christmas address at the White House. He highlights the meaning of Christmas and what he says brings us together. Even after 2,000 years, Christmas still has the power to lift us up, to bring us together, to change lives, to change the world. The Christmas story is at the heart of the Christmas Christian faith. And Biden also looks back at highlights of Christmas time in history, including when astronauts of Apollo 8 circled the moon and spoke to people on Earth. They read the story of Christmas creation from the King James Bible. When in the beginning, God created heaven and Earth. That light's still with us. And that's as he pivots to today's political divisions, calling on Americans to take a few moments of quiet reflection. And look, really look at each other not as Democrats or Republicans, not as members of Team Red or Team Blue, but as who we really are, fellow Americans. Meanwhile, Biden's speech comes as the nation readies for a once-in-a-generation storm that's bringing heavy snow and flooding across the country. Earlier today, Biden gave this warning. It's like, it's not like a snow day, you know, when you're a kid. This is serious stuff. He's urging Americans who's traveling this holiday weekend to leave now to avoid getting stranded. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. Secretary of State Antony Blinken gave what may be his final press briefing of the year. He highlighted America's diplomatic achievements in 2022, and he shared the State Department's plans for the future. NTD's Jason Perry has the story. We're in a fundamentally stronger position to address the issues that actually affect uh, the lives of the American people when we do so alongside the many countries that share our fundamental interests and values. Secretary of State Antony Blinken covered a range of issues around the world in what looks like to be his last briefing of the year. He reaffirmed America's full support for Ukraine in its war against Russia. An additional $1.85 billion in U.S. military assistance the president announced yesterday has enabled Ukraine's fighters to go on the counteroffensive, liberating their people, retaking more of their territory. 
And he explained that the war in Ukraine helped strengthen America and its allies and partners. We doubled the number of battle groups alongside NATO's eastern flank. We've increased deployments in the Baltics. We're on the cusp of adding Finland and Sweden as new members of the alliance. And he also addressed the situation in Iran, where protests erupted in September after a woman was allegedly arrested by the morality police and died while in custody. Just yesterday, I believe, we issued new sanctions, including on the prosecutor general of Iran. At the same time as you've heard me discuss, we've been working to try to make sure that um, Iranians have uh, in their hands the uh, ability to communicate with each other, to remain connected with, uh, with the outside world. Blinken also explained that the U.S. is keeping a close eye on China with the recent COVID outbreak. And he thinks through diplomacy, Beijing can help denuclearize North Korea. And he listed some other achievements over the past year as well. We brokered a historic agreement between Israel and Lebanon to resolve their longstanding maritime boundary dispute. We supported African-led talks that led to the cessation of hostilities between Ethiopia and Tigrayan forces. We helped bring about a framework agreement to put Sudan back on the path toward civilian-led democracy. We helped secure and later extend a truce in the Yemen conflict. And we brought home unjustly detained Americans from Russia, Iran, Venezuela, Burma, Afghanistan, Haiti, and other countries. And he said the State Department remains fully committed to bringing home Americans who are wrongfully detained around the world. I really hope everyone gets a, a break, uh, has time with family, with friends, uh, and um, that we see you fully energized in 2023. Jason Perry, NTD News. And Sam Bankman-Fried is a free man for now. A judge signed off on a bail package agreed to by his lawyers and prosecutors. The FTX trading founder was released on a $250 million bond. This is the largest ever pre-trial bond, according to a prosecutor. Bankman-Fried is required to wear an electronic monitoring bracelet and remain under house arrest at his parents' home. They live in Palo Alto, California, and are law professors at Stanford University. Bankman-Fried is accused of stealing billions of dollars from his customers at his cryptocurrency platform. Coming up, NTD talks to a journalist who was imprisoned in China about how the products of forced labor secretly enter Western supply chains. And in baseball, Carlos Correa mega deal with the Giants fell through. But within a few hours, he pivoted to another nine-figure deal with the Mets. NTD's Dave Martin has the details. That and more coming up. Festive greetings on Christmas cards wish you tidings of comfort and joy. But during the busy winter period, card manufacturers outsource some production to China, a country known for its labor camps. NTD's Malcolm Hudson spoke to a former journalist who was imprisoned in one of these camps to find out if there's a darker underbelly to the Christmas card industry. It's the festive season, and you're probably getting Christmas cards for your friends and family. While they're wishing you a Merry Christmas, if you look at the bottom just over here, it says they're made in China. But given China's extensive track record of human rights violation, it begs the question, who really made these cards? It's widely known that Chinese prisons use prison labor to manufacture goods. To learn more, I spoke to a former journalist and fraud investigator, Peter Humphrey. 
He spent two years in Chinese prisons from 2013 to 2015 on false charges and was subjected to forced labour. Manufacturing labour participation was partly optional for uh, foreign prisoners. It was not optional at all for Chinese prisoners. In all the Chinese cell blocks, everyone was forced to work um, in a factory which was part of the prison. They were making um, packaging components such as, you know, tags that go on to various products, for example, um, and label labelling uh, holders and so forth. Things like that. Quite simple. While he said that prison labour for foreign prisoners was partly optional when he was there, he noted there's been a change under Xi Jinping. Humphrey said she has ordered prisons to toughen up on foreign prisoners. They are now forced to work just like Chinese prisoners. When he was there, Humphrey saw goods being made for companies like H&M, Disney, Zara and Logitech. This is commercial stuff where certain officers within the prison go out and win orders from a Chinese company. Um, the prison itself has a commercial entity. In other words, the, com the prison has its own company through which it transacts this business. Every prison has one. Um, and so they bring in orders and they get a bonus uh, in, on their pay packet for bringing in these orders. And then the prisoners actually uh, fulfill these orders. And certain officers seem to be deeply involved in this whole process and operation. In 2019, a young girl in London opened up a pack of Christmas cards and found a message from an inmate at Qingpu Prison. It was addressed to Humphrey. He'd spent time at Qingpu Prison too. In the message it says, We are foreign prisoners in Shanghai Qingpu Prison, forced to work against our will. Please help us and notify human rights organisations. Use the link to contact Mr Peter Humphrey at ft.com. And when I saw this card, I, I, just, I really felt that I recognised the handwriting as one of the African prisoners who I knew. The little girl's Christmas card story helped to highlight China's forced labour problem. Humphrey said the Chinese prisons get work contracts from different Chinese companies, some of which already have a business relationship with Western companies. He says that's how forced labour secretly enters Western supply chains. And that's why a lot of... Um, companies that are manufacturing things in China um, are unable to drill right to the bottom of their supply chain through due diligence uh, processes to check whether or not any part of their supply chain involves prison labour. It's really difficult because of all the secrecy. You know, they, they can't get inside a Chinese prison to check. NTD reached out to various companies regarding their Christmas card supply chains. A Sainsbury's spokesperson said that many of their cards are made in the UK, that during busy times like Christmas they work with international partners, and that their suppliers meet high welfare and ethical standards. An M&S spokesperson gave a similar response, adding that they have zero tolerance of forced labour and that they do not accept any ingredients or raw materials sourced from Xinjiang. And a John Lewis partnership spokesperson said, All our suppliers are robustly audited to make sure workers are treated fairly. Other companies didn't respond in time for broadcast. So to summarise, Western companies contract Chinese companies to manufacture goods. 
These Chinese companies can then subcontract all or parts of the work to different Chinese companies. A few layers of subcontracting later, and forced labor may be part of the supply chain, all without the original Western companies even knowing about it. That's not to say every Made in China product is made with forced labor. Many will be made by legitimate businesses with normal employees. But given how hard it is to verify the source, it raises a serious question. How can we really know? Malcolm Hudson, NTD News London. Since 1992, an ensemble of volunteers reenact the night of the first Christmas to celebrate the real meaning and history behind the holiday. This year marks the last time that Bethlehem AD will be keeping their tradition in one California city. This is Bethlehem AD, a live recreation commemorating the birth of Jesus. It's set to close after running for 30 years in Redwood City, California. Representatives said that the land was recently sold and told SFGate that there are no plans for it to continue unless things change and someone new wants to continue the annual event elsewhere. Bethlehem AD is one of the largest living nativity scene in the U.S., featuring over 300 volunteers dressed as soldiers, merchants, angels, and more. The free community event includes singing, a marketplace, and animals such as camels, sheep, donkeys, and horses. It's a free 20-minute interactive walkthrough experience, rain or shine, hosted by Rise City Church. According to Bethlehem AD, the event takes people 2,000 years back in history to ancient Bethlehem. The idea first came from a 12-year-old boy who one night asked his dad if it's possible to create a real nativity. The reenactment takes place from December 21st to 23rd and draws in 25,000 visitors each year. The nonprofit's website says that for anyone searching for the real meaning of Christmas, the answer can be found within the walls of Bethlehem AD. More information is on its website as well as a full recording of the event. Now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Don. Brittany Griner posted a very thankful note on social media last night while also advocating for Paul Whelan to be brought home. The WNBA star who spent 10 months behind bars in Russia before being released in a prisoner swap personally thanked those who wrote to her. Said Griner, quote, my family is whole and now thanks to you, we are fortunate to get to spend the holidays together. However, there remain too many families with loved ones wrongfully detained. Griner went on to say, quote, I hope you'll join me in writing to Paul Whelan and continuing to advocate for other Americans to be rescued and returned to their families. She then ends the letter with a mailing address for Paul Whelan. Whelan has been detained in Russia since 2018 and the State Department considers him wrongfully detained. And in baseball news, Scott Boras, the agent for Carlos Correa, who switched at the 11th hour from signing with the Giants to agreeing with the Mets, said San Francisco contacted him at 8 a.m. Tuesday, just three hours before the introductory press conference, saying they needed more time and evaluation. They asked to delay until 1 p.m., but when that time came, Boras, who said they already had Korea's medical information, needed an answer. Boras and his team then re-engaged talks with the Mets and owner Steve Cohen, who was on vacation in Hawaii, and within an hour, agreed on the 12-year, $315 million deal 
shock the league. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has just two games on tap as the Spurs visit the Pelicans and the Wizards play at the Jazz. And in hockey, the NHL has seven games scheduled featuring the Washington Capitals and Alex Ovechkin, who's just one goal from tying Gordie Howe for second place all time. They play at the Ottawa Senators. And finally, for you NFL fans, the Jets host the Jaguars on Thursday Night Football. And that's it for the sports news. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Don Ma. Good night.